All right, we're rolling. <laughs> Off we go. There's that clap. So stupid. Go. Hey, everybody, it's Rob Ness. <laughs> stupid. Oh, we got a blooper. Right. Fucking shenanigans. Good. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, guys. Go. Everybody, it's Rob National Fire Radio. We're sitting here tonight with Urban Fire Training with Brian Butler and Jeremy Tucker. What's going on? Good evening. Yeah. Brian, thanks for joining us, bro. Appreciate having you yeah. here. Um, you, uh, you know, I think one of my first run-ins with you was you did a fireman walks into the bar in Poughkeepsie, New York at the Derby. Yes. I got history in that city. I, I went to college. I went to college. Oh, you know what? We did touch base about that even before that a while back. But I went to college up there for a few <laughs> years, and uh, and that's where I met Rob and, and X, Y, and Z. But it was cool to go back to Poughkeepsie to hear you spit some truths in a bar. And um, and we're going to talk about that. A farmer walks into the bar and all of that. But, I mean, we just want to hop on board, man, and hear the story about Brian Butler. And you're a captain in Trenton, New Jersey, and uh, which is a tough city. A lot of fire volume over the years, I'm sure. You know, if you watch Live Rescue, you see everybody gets beat up in Trenton. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's an assault. <laughs> well, let's talk about it, man. I mean, maybe a little background about yourself, and then we'll just snowball into uh, your career and, and what we're doing today, man. All right, yeah. Well, I, I uh, actually wanted to be a fireman when I was four years old. I lived in the Bronx in the Grand Concourse as a kid, and I was in a fourth-floor apartment looking at all the fire trucks going up and down the Grand Concourse, and that's when I knew I wanted to be a fireman. And that's my history with Kipsy here, because from, from the Bronx, my father was on the run because he was taking a lot of, his oh, long story, but he, he was into uh, the bar business. And long story short, he had to change his name and relocate. Took us up to Poughkeepsie to hide out for a while. That's how we got to Poughkeepsie. Nobody believes me. I tell him. Is that the country back then? I think, oh, that, yeah. I think that was the country. So, <laughs> to Poughkeepsie, there Poughkeepsie. He took off and went somewhere else. And then uh, my mother was left up there by herself. So she had to stay up there for about four or five years. And then that's where I, when I lived in Poughkeepsie. I want to be a Poughkeepsie fireman. Then from Poughkeepsie, we got brought back down by the Trenton area because of my mother's sisters from Ireland all moved through that area, and that's how I winded up down there. So from there, I actually joined the volunteer service in 84. Okay. In 85, as a junior volunteer, tried it out, but then I had to go live with my dad, which I haven't seen, you know, I haven't lived with my dad my whole entire life here. I am almost, you know, 14 years old. I got to go live with my dad. Didn't work out so well. Didn't just didn't like my life at the time, so I joined the military. I went to Marine Corps, and I was like 18 years old. So I took a break from the fire service for years, and then I came back. When I got out of the military, I moved back up to the Bronx, took some fire tests, police tests. Winded up getting a job at Jersey State Prison so I can get back down there, and I loved it. I worked at the county jail first, then the Trenton State Prison. And while working at the prison, I'm seeing columns like every day, and I'm like, this city burns. I want to be a fireman here. So I went to, I seen the green trucks flying down the street, you know, and I'm like, oh, I'm working. I'm going to come down here. I took the te test in Trenton and became a Trenton fireman. So I mean, as much as I miss working at the prison, I loved working at the state prison, maximum security, good pay. Never seen money like that in my life. But the fire department opportunity came up, and I jumped all over it. That's fantastic. So, and what year, how long have you been on the job now? now? 23 years now. 23 years. Yeah. And the captain in the engine, engine company, right? I'm on an engine. You're, now. you're a big engine guy. Next week, I don't know. Oh, all right, all <laughs> right. I'm on the fence. But I think that's one thing I love about you too, because you know you do have your Instagram page, and that's how we got mixed up, right? Urban fire training, and um, and that's how we kind of got mixed up. And what I love about um, what you do and, and what you talk about primarily is the engine company, because I I think a lot of times everybody's hooked on truck company culture, right? And the engine is like the the redheaded stepchild these days, <laughs> and and I don't think it needs to be, and I don't think it should be. I got something for the truck guys. You know, I mean, engine, of course, engine guys get to do a lot of truck work. The truck guys really don't get to do a lot of engine work. So, you know, when you first do and you pull up at a truck company with fire, 
you've only got a water can. <laughs> you know, if I pull up with 500 gallons in my tank as an engine, I got forcible entry tools and a ladder, so I can do a little bit more than I can. Somebody's got to kill the beast. I, I'd like to take care of all of it before they get there, if possible. <laughs> I'm a and there's more of <laughs> I'd say I'm a greedy motherfucker. Man. I like a single house where I got three or four minutes by myself. You know, I worked in a triple house, and it was terrible. I hated it. It was like a parade going everywhere. Um, so, you know, everybody would have their dedicated job to do. But now it's like, you know, at a single house. You know, now I might go back to a truck. I did almost eight years on a truck company, and it's been almost 16 on an engine. I like to move around a lot. I've been transferred like 16, 15 or 16 times in my career. I've been on four ladders, all eight engines. I've been on every f- truck in the city, including the one that closed down. I've been on every engine company. Some of the places I've been back to twice. But this I mean, way you know I, everybody, I, too. You know, yeah, this guy's been on one apparatus their whole career, and that's great. I just like to move around. I think it just makes you more well-rounded. Yeah. You know, instead of being really, really good at one truck, I'm just like kind of shitty Leo, get it here, a little bit here, a little bit there. I'll get to a, uh, an engine company and go, oh, fuck, what kind of truck is this again? I forgot because I haven't been here in six years. Yeah. But I've been back to some companies twice. You know, so it's, you know, well, I, I, I think like to move around. I used to be some punishment reasons when I was younger. They, they <laughs> constantly punish me, these jerk-offs. But now I like it. I like moving around. It actually benefited me that I was working on the east side of the city one day on an engine and the south side on the truck the next day. And I would just keep, you know, I would just call up the chief and be like, yo, this is years ago. So not, not to the new chiefs. They're actually pretty cool. Uh, I would just go, hey, you know, it's not my ship out month. I, sh- I was shipped out all March, TA to another company. And it's not my turn. It's this guy's turn. And just for asking, they were like, well, fuck you. You're permanent ship out now. And they would make me permanent ship out. So I'd probably live out of my car most of my time. And wow. then fucking three yeah. months later, they transferred me to another house just because, you know. They just didn't like me or whatever. So I got moved around. But a sometimes lot. A little did they know I love the shit. You know? Sometimes it's good. it's good to yeah. be a journeyman, though. Because, like yeah, yeah, you like get it. to well, know everybody. I think in your program, it really comes out because, like, when we, you know, I don't want to jump ahead, but like, fireman walks in the bar and you're giving your, your, your lecture and you can tell that you've had that well rounded experience. And I think that, like, you're one of the people who embrace it where most, most people, especially new guys in the career in, in cities that they have relief work or whatever, where you're, mm-hmm. you're shifting around. The guys are like kind of treating that as a bad thing, but you, 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 there's a bunch of things that you embraced, which I thought it was great because it, it spun the conversation in the fire service and, and it made it into a positive. And I think that's awesome. And I would encourage young guys to, if you can move around, move around because 20 years, when you have 20 years on the fire department, you can look back and say, I've, I've been on the first due truck company and did a primary search. I removed the victim. I cut a, open a roof. I forced doors. I pulled line. I pumped at a fire. Uh, you know, you, you've done all those tasks, and if you've been in the truck company 20 years, you know, you haven't stretched a line into a basement. You haven't stretched a line into an apartment building that was rocking on a high rise. You know what I mean? So you miss out on all that stuff. Yeah. So if, you, if you've done even five years, if I haven't cut a roof in five years, you ask me to go cut one, I'll cut it, but no problem. It's not an issue to me. So if you keep moving guys around, you get that training and that experience, I think it is better. You know the, the – the, Yeah. The, I, and when you know the engine, which is great, especially if you're a pump operator – if, if you've been on a truck before and then you go to an engine, you're very courteous when it comes to apparatus placement because you're feeling the engine, you know, the ladder behind you. Yep. You know where they need to set up. Sure. And if you have, a, like I say, a top floor job or even a second floor is going to the third and you're on the engine, while you're pulling up, you're thinking ladder shit too because you're going right. to give him the spot where he can line his turntable up maybe to get to that attic window or to that roof. And that, you're going to set your placement on that instead of just giving him the building and driving past it. So I think it's also makes you watch out where the potholes are if you're a tillerman. You should all tiller first. Hit the potholes. Know how back breaking <laughs> is for the guy. And you'll understand when you move up front to go slow. 
you live in a city with politics. That's it. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> Makes it more well-rounded, yeah. that's all. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Well-rounded is, is hugely important because I think too often they get people get uh, sidetracked or narrowed down into a single discipline, and they lose track of all the other functions and, and what has to happen because all of it's simultaneous. And if, you, if you're an engine guy and you're not familiar with that truck work, you know, you don't appreciate what they go through to get a 24 to the rear because they have to go through a, the next neighbor's apartment to get there and the, and the obstacles they have to get there, you know, and so on. So I think you're absolutely right, Brian. I think it's, it's hugely important to be able to understand the discipline of all those companies. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Well, it's got to help to you to become a better officer, too. It does, because when you're even as an officer, maybe the driver has been an engine guy his whole career. You're telling him in the seat, hey, I, I know this is probably where you normally want to park the rig, but I need you to move up about a whole entire house because the ladder is going to really be in the front of this building. So look, because we have a lot of wires and obstructions like that. So I'm trying to maybe look for a spot where he could set up. We don't have any of those mid-mount things. We're, we're all straight sticks and we have one tower yep. ladder, but to line up so he can get the stick to the, to the roof. And that's something, if it's like a second or third floor, it's really going. I have, it'll just mind trigger. I'm talk about mind trigger. Sure. It's just automatic to me. If I see a parking lot with fire escapes, it's just a mind trigger. Shit, give the ladder that side. Even if it's not front of the building, let him pull in there. That's where all the people are going to be. That's just going to be the best place for him to take his ladders out. I don't want to leave him dragging in the middle of an intersection. Yeah, I pulled past the building. I did my job, but it was the building closest to the intersection. So now the, tra- the truck is strewn across the intersection. That's not good. So all that stuff is just automatically coming to you without thinking about it because you've been on engine and truck, so you always consider that stuff. Or you're a fucking weirdo like me because I just think about the <laughs> shit all the time. If I'm really into the stuff. I guess it's just run through my head all day. But I, I think that's what's awesome too because like we, we talk to a lot of guests and a lot of guys, the firehouses we go to, and we talk to guys, and, and they guys that are truly into the job, not only is it the craft, but it's, it's everything that leads up to it, right? It's all the homework. It's taking a different way into work every day. It's taking a different, taking that extra drive around town with the guys in the engine. I mean, I know Sunday mornings, if we come back from runs, I like to take the guys for coffee and take the long way back. So we talk about some experiences or buildings that burned or places that we've been to or multiple occupancies where there's some, you know, tricks that we got to talk about. I think those things are important. And I think that makes you a much more well-rounded um, firefighter and officer, obviously. I mean, yeah. yeah. I so, do. I do that on the way home. It's like, oh, he's a fucking loser. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just, I don't want to drag my crew out all day and get pictures of 700 vacant buildings and I might need about 30 of those pictures. So on the way home, I do them. I get out. I don't care what neighborhood it is. Nobody's going to bother me. I get out. I do my pictures. I take my pictures on my own time. Most of them. Sometimes I'll take them at work. Depends if I'm out doing training with the guys, but most of the stuff I do is on my own time. I, and I love when you, when you talk about pictures, because there might be some people that listen to this and, and they're not overly familiar with your content or what you do, but urban fire tactics on Instagram. I mean, you are a urban firefighter and proud of it. And, and, that means it brings a whole nother level of discipline for firefighting and understanding building construction, um, you know, and so and the list goes on and on of, of the things you need to know outside of um, maybe say some other, you know, rural districts or something. But what you really focus in on is vacants, right? I mean, that's a that's a big conversation it's for what you. I started off doing. Yeah. You want to hit on that a little bit? I mean, the importance. Do you have a of- lot of those in your city? We have almost a thousand per square mile vacant properties. We have, it's it's. It's a, it's a lot of vacant buildings, wow. a lot of vacant properties, vacant yeah. lots. So um, we have a lot of burnouts that yeah. sit there. Um, I know they're trying to do their best to get rid of a lot of these eyesores. They've had them for years. So, like, we just lost four the other night, but they've been there. They've been banned for 20 years. So, you know, it's just the fact that a lot of these buildings, we have vagrants that live inside of these buildings. Or sure. Or temporary occupants at the time, you know. Mm. And now yep. somebody had to start it, you know. It wasn't right. an electrical issue most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I so, know. We're not going to blame um, this one on the furnace. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we, we've lost vagrants in houses and we've 
pulled some out. So, I mean, the people, do, I always, always assume someone could be in that house. And I, we, we get into the whole vacant argument. I, I do the building status. The building status at the time is vacant. It's, it's, it's the fact that somebody is illegally occupying it and stealing the house doesn't, to me, change the status of the building. It's a vacant building. So that's why I call it an occupied vacant. That's why the hashtag, the occupied vacant, occupied vacant. It's because it's a vacant building that's occupied. Uh, it's, it's the status of the building. Because I could just go ahead and say, well, me and my family went out to dinner, and when you came to the house and it was on fire, technically it was vacant. vacant. No, it wasn't. Yeah. It's not legally occupied. Someone that's a good point. Bitch, that's what I say. Yeah. You know, so That's a super good point, though. And it keeps it simple. Right. We don't have to get into talk terms like, you know, derelict. and right. You know, if it's abandoned, that means the owner abandoned a property. Well, how do I know that at 4 in the morning? It could just be a shitty landlord just doesn't take care of his shit. And it just looks like dilapidated because he doesn't take care of it. Sometimes I think it's vacant. I pull up, there's people coming out of the house. They're legally occupying it. Right. It's a shitty house. So it's keeping it vacant, simple. It signals to the incumbent companies, you know, oh, it's a vacant. I'm, so I'm thinking probably if I'm a tillerman or I'm a, or a side man on a ladder truck company, I'm thinking chainsaw, boarded up, HUD windows, you know, be careful. Maybe some needles holes. on the floor, holes yep. in the floor, all that's all these typical things that you see, you know. And one of the things that I like about your message with vacants as well and uh, just, I want you to touch on it real quick is that like the fire service has this whole, um, I shouldn't say the whole fire service. There's parts of the fire service that use vacants as uh, a point to say like, Oh, nobody's in there or, you know, like they're doing exactly opposite of what you're talking about. And I, I always, like what I found amazing is how, um, you're passionate about the people. Cause you remember that oath you took to protect life and property and how life comes, comes first. And, you know, like that's just gotta be a challenge because, I know like when I talk about vacant structures up north, people are like, well, you know, let's slow down on those. And I'm like, I, you know, I go back to what you say and I'm like, no, it's like there's, we, we don't know that this is not, an, you know, an occupied vacant or not. So. Right. And I, some vacants are just as strong and sturdy. Yeah. As regular houses. They're Why just wouldn't they be? it up. Right. Because the, maybe it could be an estate thing where the owner passed away and the family's deciding who gets it. They want to board it up to keep it from being destroyed. If it hasn't Scrappers been penetrated like by that, anything yeah. yet, by vagrants or the weather or whatever, it's just, it's still a good vacant. It's but just boarded up. But so that's what I love what you do about you getting know? out there, walking the streets, talking to the people and taking pictures and understanding these neighborhoods. Because I have to think that in your fire department, you're probably more one of the more well, well-versed guys on neighborhoods and understanding the buildings and, and the condition, right? I mean, you could have a vacant that is just boarded up, HUD windows, whatever, but there's nothing structurally wrong with it. But right. then... You have and, your and, and I'm glad I work in a really aggressive department. Yeah, we got really good fire. That's great. Aggressive Absolutely. Man, and we're, they're smart. And they know they're know their districts too. Like yeah, they're, they're really good. It's most it's probably about, about a third of what we do. Maybe almost half soon. It's uh, it, my biggest fear is if not, if we don't search it and we say oh, that's just a vacant, it's just an abandoned building, and then a fire investigator comes in and pulls a four year old kid out of yeah. there who's in there with his mother. I agree. Who's on drugs, which is common. I would be, you know, that would, that would hit me hard, yeah. you know. So, but I'm glad we do. We don't. We're not a. Um, defensive-minded, right-off-the-bat-com department, and that's good. Have, yeah. have you seen scenarios where people have taken a vacant and they've gone defensive as a uh, first go-to in the play, uh, in the playbook of sorts, and then it's gotten Oh, yeah, worse. We, have, we have abandons that if you just blow on them, they'll fall down. I mean, they're just... <laughs> but I mean, like, like not <laughs> taking... different, yeah. <laughs> like, not taking the proactive approach, and then that, that, that one vacant... I mean, building I, goes, I'm gets worse. Like, like on YouTube and some, yeah. and some stories yeah, I think you're talking first option. Yeah. Right. They're yeah. like, just, I don't know, we're not going to do but anything. I think that, but I there think, are some places, I think they have SOPs on that, too, that they, yeah. their immediate thing is to go D. So, I mean, you know, that's what they do. Well, and that's it, right? It's that mindset, yeah. and it's understanding. I mean, every, you know, I, I think, um, you know, Detroit with their um, miles and miles of abandoned buildings, I mean, they're told to let them burn once they're involved. 
Um, you know, it's a different mindset. It's a different way of combating those types of neighborhoods or buildings. I don't know if it's right or wrong or indifferent. I don't know. Well, my but, thing is that once you clear the search, correct. you clear the life hazard. Absolutely. I don't have a problem letting it burn in Detroit right. because right. most of the ones in Detroit that burn are singles. There's no exposure issues. Right. You yeah. can't let a middle of the row burn because there you go. Yeah, three that's, vacants might have four that, occupied yeah. right down yeah. the street. You don't want people to lose their shit because you let the whole row go and it got in a cock log yep. started going this yep. way. And you're like, it's so take the, you got to put the vacant out to prevent the exposures on each side yes. that are yeah, occupied. Um, that's all those people have. That's their house. Some of them own it, and they don't want it to get burned. And they bad enough they got to live next to the ice where they got to worry about it burning one night, yeah, taking their they, stuff down. Yep. So no, I get that exposure. You know, even if like there's a big difference between a one story and a three story, and there's a difference between a house on the left and a house on the right. When you got all of it, you know that's it. Makes it changes the game. You got to get in there and do an interior attack on some of these houses. So sure, just gotta be careful. Sure, be careful with every house. So. Well, we were hitting on your content. We're hitting on your Instagram page. I'm bringing up some notes because when I, I sat one night and listened to you up in Poughkeepsie, I alluded to it earlier, um, you're doing a fireman walks into a bar. And there, it's a fairly new concept for you. I mean, you've only been doing it a few months now, right? And, and uh, My first one was Poughkeepsie. It was, I okay. I've been to do that for about nine years. <laughs> Fantastic. So let, me, so let me ask you, what was the trigger to get you going on these? Um, instead of doing all the planning and... Stuff normal people do. I just did the old, fuck it, I'm going to get a bar, call the owner, set it up, call the dude from Poughkeepsie. I'm like, yo, man, you're going to be my contact guy. Let's just do this. I don't care if 20 people show up. Let's just go do it and get it done and see how it works. The problem with that has always been firemen drinking after 35 minutes, they're tuned out. Sure. And I said, what if we could do something to keep them not tuned out and at least for an hour, an hour and 10 minutes? We got an hour and a half in that night. And guys sure. Paying yeah. attention. That was good. So I always say sip slowly, have something to eat, and then you guys can go off when I have like 15 minutes left. And then after that, we'll do a raffle because it was a fundraiser event. It was a little small little thing we did. And then we just, we all ended up staying there and closing the bar down practically. But what brought you into understanding that it was your turn to start spreading a good word? Because that's what I love, right? It's like you've been 23 years on a job. Have you been doing teaching or instructing prior? No. I, no. I actually started this out um, under the radar. Yeah. You know, I didn't want... My department or anybody I knew, knowing what I was doing. So I was doing things far away in little firehouses. <laughs> and then I was doing a lot of writing. This all started when I was taking a promotional exam. I have fucking, I have major eight. Can I curse? Is there- yeah, you can do whatever I, you want. I have ADD, man, like big time. So it's hard <laughs> for me to read books and shit. So I said, well, look, I had papers all over my desk cluttered with fucking notes I was taking and trying to study for this test. You know, you got to comprehend all this bullshit to fucking reg- do your thing to get promoted. And you- so I'm like trying to reprogram my brain to do the book way so I can get promoted. I'm, I just looked at all these papers and I said, let me start a, like a website and I can put all this stuff on the website so it's always there and I don't have all these papers. I spent 30% of my time finding something that I lost. Yep. So I started, <laughs> I figured out, I went on like GoDaddy because it's easy because I'm not tech savvy at all and it was very easy to start a website. So I started this little website. I just picked the name because it was just like, it was available. Cost nine bucks. I'm like, this ain't bad. And I started logging all my content <laughs> on there. And I logged it on there because every time I typed, I had to check it, reread it, and I was comprehending it better. Yep. All right, so I'm, I read things, I highlight things, I underline them, then I would put them on the website, and then I would read them. I'm reading these like 10 times, so I, it's just like so great. I got remember in the shit like crazy. When I took my office, the promotional exam, I never took notes. They gave me a notepaper, I didn't need the shit. Everything I was just right on my head. So doing that actually kind of helped. And then I started breaking it down by attic fires, basement fires, high-rise fires, um, tunnel fires, anything they can give me that I was going to get a scenario, strip malls. And I have to thank Mr. Turpak. Thank you, because if it wasn't for you, I would not be promoted. Because he do a, he did a fifty dollar class in Riverside, New Jersey, one day out of the blue on strip strip malls and taxpayers, and garden apartments. Fifty bucks. I went to that class. I paid attention, and I had a strip mall scenario. And I did, everything he said was money. So 
That was awesome. I aced I that with all five. Fifty dollars. That was it. So I always say he, he got me promoted for fifty bucks. So, so I, <laughs> it's I, a lot I, cheaper than so most guys. Yeah, yeah. So I chopped this thing up. I chopped this thing. I loaded it. I was doing car fires, truck fires, uh, natural gas. I had all these scenarios. I pretty pretty much built a nice little website. Got you know after you know after the test was over and promoted, I just let it sit for a while. And then I winded up erasing all that shit and putting the stuff that you can kind of do in the real world. Yep. So I was going to eliminate all the stuff that's like, you know, by the book kind of stuff. And I started just doing street stuff. That's most of it's not in the book. So I started being a little more creative with my scenario, with my writing. And then from writing, I criticize, I think I say criticize, but I, I had a problem with a couple of the magazines uh, that were recently not a lot of people read them as much as they used to. When I first came yeah, on the job, you could see these magazines laying all over yeah. the place. We talk about it all the time. The yep. I said, you got to get back to fire shit. I, did, I went through the whole magazine. I seen Tech Rescue. I seen Cancer Fitness and, um, I don't know, like Identity Yeah, and the, and the rest are advertisements. And, you know, Clean Cab, Decon, and I'm going through all this stuff, and I'm going, where's, where's the fire, fire shit, stuff? man? So, yep. thank, you know, and I'm glad because I was out at FDIC. It was just a bar conversation, and you know, I was talking to one of the guys on the board, and he said, well, write, write, a, write an article. So I wrote eight, and they all got published. So I'm glad they listened. They listened to their... View, the, the people that like that magazine Great. read it. Yeah. And we said, we just need some more urban firing fire on there, like some city fire department stuff that we deal with because not everybody does this stuff. Um, I, I, you know, we're going to skip the articles on tankers and things like that. Put some more fire stuff in there. So, I mean, they've been great because every article I've written, they've never asked me to edit a lot of things out of it, which is good. I was afraid of. Yeah. Because um, maybe some of this stuff might hurt somebody's feelings. Uh, they, they've both been great, so. That's good. Yeah. But then how did you get to where you are now? Where, how did you find social, right? Because a website's one thing. Well, writing that's why I couldn't keep quiet another. anymore is because it costs a lot of money if you be quiet. <laughs> you can't get on social media. So once you get on social media, everybody knows. That's right. right. So, you know, I was like, well, I, I have to go on social media because, you know, just going to pay for an ad costs a lot of money. Social media is free. I can get on Pick Collage and make a banner. It cost me 150 bucks to make, and it would cost me less of the driving time, less of the talking on the phone time. Let me check the proof. I need a designer. I got to go to print. I got to drive around and hand these things out. With, you know, I can make an app. I can be taking a dump and make an app on a uh, freaking banner on Pick Collage in 10 minutes yep. and then put it right up on Instagram. Yep. And you got five, 6,000 followers reading right. that. So it's yeah. the, the, the social media thing, I liked it. I, I'd seen a good side of social media, and I see a bad side of social media as long as I think you use it right. It could be a good thing. Oh, I get it completely. I mean, Including this learning. This yeah. is where we are, right? I mean, this is what we do, and we do a lot of content. And, you know, I understand the upside of all of that. And, uh, and that's why we got into what we did, because too often the traditional media, traditional print, is just not being heard anymore. And the, and the next generation is not following the publications. They don't read magazines. The, uh, it's well, become a different in, game. Until the 80s, we really didn't have anybody that went out there and taught unless you went to these giant conferences. The only way you learned is from those magazines or from other people that were right. in your company. But, but and now, you know, the small guy can go out there and teach us this little thing that, wow, I never thought of that before. And you might not want to do it their way. But I think, I but, think where Brian's hitting on though, and I, and I agree a thousand percent is that one, social media is free. Two, it gets you that it gets you that community involvement right away. It gets you fired. It gets you divorced. It can do a lot of things. <laughs> it, social sure, media. it sure can. Yeah. It sure can. Absolutely. I think there should be a federal law. No one should get fired for social media. So this way, there's no selective enforcement. It's done. It's over. Tough. That's the way it should be. Yeah. Because I even if people say the craziest, most outlandish stuff, and I disagree with it totally. I'm I'm a freedom of speech guy all the way. Yep. I don't care if I disagree or not. To me, you're just letting me know who you are. That's great. I'm, you're just giving me that information for free. I don't see the, 
the, the, the whole selective enforcement bothers me. You know, so that, that kind of stuff sucks about social media. But like I said, you, I tell guys you can learn a lot in social media. If you follow the right people. Correct. People, you can learn a lot. And I don't like reading off the phone. I, I'm a store guy. I'm, I'm going to sit on the couch. I'll see something I want to read. And instead of reading it, I'll hit print. Wireless printer. I know how to use one now. It goes to my printer <laughs> and print it out. And I actually sit there and I'll read the paper. Yeah. I still read magazines. I don't like reading it online. My eyes hurt. I, I, think, I think what you hit on too before, which was pretty awesome, was the fact that, you know, once you, once you make that conscious decision to go to social, you can't hide anymore. It's hard. Nah. It's hard. Right? Yeah. And so, you know, now you have to subscribe to and believe in what you're putting out. But I, what I love about that is it adds to the credibility of the content that's coming out. Right? Because, yeah. like, I know for what we do is I'll never put out content that I can't stand behind. That's why I don't talk about urban firefighting. I'm not an urban firefighter. I don't talk about vacants because I don't go to a lot of vacant fires. Right? So, like, you stay in your lane. And when you have to be on point to answer for the content you put out, that's when credibility becomes important. And that's what I think today in social is vetting those pages, right? Because we always talk about guys that were in fire engineering and firehouse and even fire rescue. Those guys were kind of vetted, right? They were, they were guys that have a, a history, a solid pedigree, and allows them to write an article to teach others. Nowadays, any hand job off the street could say they're an expert in something, throw it out there. We were just talking about that yeah. earlier, right? And you could throw it out there and you like to think that like, oh, that guy must know what he's talking about because it's instant gratification. It's instant. I read it here. Must be true. That would be stolen valor, right? Yeah. Stolen valor, the fire <laughs> I'll defend their freedom to do that though. I mean, I, my thing is, yeah, there, there could be a guy with two years who's never had a fire and he could write about the world. To me, good for him. You, you have to have better judgment as a fireman to know what you're reading. I mean, I could be wrong once in a while. I'm pretty sure I'm 95% right. We're all wrong that. every once in a but, while. But, well, you know, I might have messed up something in a print one time. I don't know. I mentioned the wrong size diameter of a nose or something minor like that. You know, we all make <laughs> mistakes. And if somebody's trying to be fraudulent, I mean, if people want to read it, let them read it. I, I, I wonder know. sometimes, though, Brian, like I, I worry that like the small department in rural America is going to read that article and it is going to like it's going to be well written, mm -hmm. but it's the, the actual content of it isn't actually well thought out and it's going to like, and that one yeah. fire they run that year, they're going to be like, Oh, this article told me to do this. Yeah. But that could happen to me. You know I mean? So you take my yeah. advice. My thing, uh, I look at it like, you know, with line of duty deaths, mm -hmm. they always try to find blame. You know, these are the most, these are the best fire. Most of these guys that are dying on line of duty are good firemen. They know their shit. It wasn't, it was just the day they went on that particular shift at that time, at that position, they had that job that went in and did something they could not control. They yeah. weren't recklessly responsible. It wasn't because they didn't hang their fucking tags on a board and yep. didn't do a proper 360. That's all bullshit. It's all blame just to be justifying another report. All right, so you take the good from the reports, and then I take the bullshit with the reports. But the thing is, those guys were good firemen. If you notice, all these guys are as good, aggressive firemen, a smart firemen. They knew their shit. Like, you look at that Harlem fire, right? I mean, that was a bad fire. And that guy's job was interior attack. They had a cellar fire. If you look at all these fires, these guys fall through the basement. They're doing their job. They're going to the fire to put it out. It's just that you can be twenty. You can go 25 years your entire career being a sidewalk dweller, and nothing will ever happen to you. That's right. Or you could be 25 years on the job. You won't have to be the best fireman in the world, and you'll be lucky, and you'll make it the whole way through. Some guys just aren't lucky. They have that, that bad shit happens to them. That particular would happen to all of us. So that's what the way I look at it. Well, a lot of it's circumstance, right? You... If you're doing your job correctly, you're inherently putting yourself at risk. That's just fact, yeah. 
Right? It's a dangerous yeah. job. It's what we do. To me, anybody that goes into a burning building, they're, right. in, die, they're dying a line of duty during interior operations. The fact that they were in there, inside, during a fire in that environment, to me, I have much respect for them for doing their job. Because you could easily just stand outside and fake the funk. You know, I was doing the 360. I'll be back in five minutes, you know, and you don't want to go in there. And you'll last your whole career. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. So we were... Getting back to uh, the first time we met, right? I made a list, and I remember talking to you afterwards, right? Look, I still have it oh, from wow. Poughkeepsie. Taking notes? I made uh, a, I don't take notes. I don't. It's all mental. All right, but what, what's really cool, I want to read down this list because I think this to me, because I remember talking to you after the fact, and I said, man, I said, you, you said a couple things that really made my mind trigger. The way my mind works is like I latch on to things that I think are something that we can create and, and make bigger, right? You mentioned it before, mind trigger. Right, you yeah. mentioned that before. I think that's a fantastic I term. Up to see if it was in the dictionary, or did I just? Is it or no? I did you? It is it, I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't know. Something triggers my mind, so I figured mind triggering. And I'm I love that. My wife on. Is there like a hyphen between that, or is it just one word? Well, you you talk <laughs> I about. I have a GED, okay, so I'm not the you smartest guy in the world. Listen, I went I went to high school and college. Doesn't mean I'm smart. You know what I, I mean? Say, like, I have a GED. I am one of the smartest guys <laughs> in the world. Most millionaires and billionaires do not have a college degree. That that is true. But I have this list, right? And so Brian Byler, Urban Fire Tactics, Mind Trigger, Forecast, Robots, Make Up for Lack of Fires, Training, like, you know, being a drone, uh, using your drone, right? Because yeah, you showed yeah. some drone footage of taking uh, overhead, um, right. you know, footage of your first do <laughs> and, yeah. and so on. Uh, transportation and machinery. Uh, I'd rather criticize the guy behind the nozzle, not the nozzle itself. And I, wanna, right. I definitely want to hit on that. Um, cities that burn every day use fog nozzles. Teach them how to use it properly. And then the pistol grip. Right, okay. Those are things that you talked about. And I, for me, I get, you know, we, we hear a lot of content. We, we talk to a lot of people. We're in a lot of firehouses. We go to a lot of seminars. We go to a lot of training events. And I, some of those things that you hit on is outside of the, the norm of the circuit, which is what I love about that, right? There's really not a lot of people talking the difference. Everybody's smooth bore, 110% smooth bore, smooth bore. And what Rob hit on before is you get those kids in that rural town that don't understand how to use their nozzle. They might not have the ability to have smooth bores or they don't understand why they need one, but it's being drilled down their throat by social media that everybody's telling them it's 7 8 15 16 It's like, make a decision, but it's got to be smooth bore. And I, I love how you're on the other side of the coin saying, listen, man, there's cities that don't own smooth bores and their fires go out. Right? Yeah. I think those are conversations that need to be had. I yeah, think, and I, I, I don't, I wouldn't knock what they do. I think what they do is great. That's great. We should know as much as we all know about all the nozzles and all the sizes and all that stuff. I'm, I'm totally for that. I mean, I, I told you, thank, Thanksgiving morning, you could actually hear me. You go, grab a smoothbore. I said, oh, my, my followers aren't going to like that. <laughs> it's just for that far, I could look at it and just tell, I, I want a smoothbore. And right. other times, I don't care. Sometimes, I don't have to tell them. The nozzle nothing. He knows what he's doing. Others, maybe I'm not so sure. I'll tell him what to grab. So, you know, I'm not against him. But I think that goes with I'd rather criticize the guy behind the nozzle than not the nozzle itself. And that always tends to lend itself back to... You can put a nozzle on a four-inch and give me a 1,000 gallons a minute. If the fucking thing ain't getting to the fire, it's useless. I agree. Give me a garden hose with a badass nozzle man. He'll do much more damage than that 500 gallon a minute will do. But I think... Set up a deck on at the door if you want. Where I'm going with that is it all comes down to accountability. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about my triggering real quick. It's just a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just uh, it's certain things that to me, you know, and this is just me. Like maybe it's my ADD, but it's just a way for me to remember things. 
I'll never forget them. I don't have to think about them. I don't have to read something on something before it happens. And I just try to give the examples. Like if you guys, I don't know if you ever seen the. I think for Poughkeepsie, I used an ambulance. All right. As soon as an ambulance fire comes in, I don't even have to think about shit. It doesn't matter if it's on on fire or not. If it comes in as an ambulance fire, the first thing that just comes in my mind is oxygen tanks. Right. Right. Yeah, you got to account for the crew. Obviously, make sure there's not some poor lady back there on a stretcher while you were worrying about the oxygen tanks rolling <laughs> off the. But you know, sanitation truck fire, a sanitation truck fire. I hope it's not a CNG one. If it is, I hope that it's not. You know, that it's in the hopper. Maybe the guy dumped the load on the street and he did his thing that they're supposed to do. But then you get there and you see the cab rock and the overhead sure. uh, CNG tanks with the relief valves blowing off. But it's already automatic. If, as soon as that call came in and I heard sanitation, it triggered to my mind CNG tanks. All right, so I, it's it also a house fire on this street. Oh, I know that street. Yeah. I'm the guy doing the laddering the building that, that day. That's my job. Maybe I'm the tillerman. Our tillerman ladders the building. All right, I know that whole fucking block is all connected row houses. You just said fire on the second floor on a two-and-a-half story. It's got porch roofs, so I already know what ladders. It's before you even get there, that mind trigger kicks in. You already know that. I love that. So that, to me, it just helps guys remember a lot of shit, and you could use it with anything. You know, second-floor fire, two-and-a-half-story frame. That's a living space attic. Kids up there. First company officer, I got to think about the life hazard. Where am I putting my line? Where, how far is the truck company? Can they get there? I'm going to have to throw my 24 and get it up to that window. It, all that stuff is just, it's just automatic. You don't have to struggle too hard with it. But I love the, the term, already. that mind trigger, because we all go through that, yeah. right? It, it could be a thousand different variables or a thousand different types of runs that we go on, but everybody's going to have some type of trigger in their brain that's making them think before we get there. And I think mind yeah. trigger is a really cool term. I love that. There's a difference. If it comes in as a high-rise fire, okay, Seven floors or below. I mean, was my aerial going to be right. needed in front of the building, or could I pass that off and maybe yep. write it off? It's on the thirtieth floor. Or wait, it's a parking garage. It's an underground parking garage. Maybe I could write the high rise pack off. Can we get it from the tank water from the truck when we go over to the side where that gate is? Is it open or locked? That shit's automatic. This is mind triggering. You don't have to think about the shit. So that's my. It's good. And I think if guys sit around a firehouse, just cut one hour of TV. You can still watch. I watch fucking ID channel, all that shit, man. But I, I also do my mind trigger every day. It's live PD. The last isn't day isn't I retire. Playing in every firehouse is live PD. It's easy. Right? You just <laughs> sit there during the commercials. Just think of a scenario. It'll always be with you, you know? So. No, that's good, man. I, I like your message, like, use the tank water as well. Like, yeah, that yeah. was, because it, it just was one of the things where I'm like, who's not using their tank water? And you're like, you know, and you gave an yeah, example. Yeah, I, I took a beating with the tank water when I first started pushing out online. <laughs> Facebook's always get a beating. Instagram, I think, has smarter guys because they don't. Fight oh, I agree. I don't fight or argue as much. Facebook, you put I, one thing up, everybody's the best fireman in the world are criticizing you from all over the country. And it's like, wow, it blows up. And I put the tank water on, and this one guy, I don't know who he was, but he was just like, you know, oh, that's but real stupid. You, you bought the point home to saying, listen, if it's my wife and kids in there, Use the tank water. Give them, <laughs> like, you're carrying it around yeah. for a reason. Like, right. start the fight. Like, tank you know, water is I, not for rehab. It's not to make the truck heavier, and it's not a backup plan. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's to start fire <laughs> attack. Uh, and, we, and how many times do you put a five-inch, drag it 900 feet down the road to a fucking rancher that's on fire, and you cook it up? You never even use it. And I always say, if you can't put out four rooms in a hallway with 500 right. gallons of water, Take the line from Stevie Wonder and give it to somebody else because you suck. <laughs> All right? It's not that hard. Seb, cut that, please. That needs to be a clip. Thank you. I'm sorry. Right now. No, that's fantastic. No, no, no. Helen cut Keller. It, like, oh, I can't say that. I can't all you want. Can't say that one. Absolutely. Yeah. You're not hurting my feelings. Uh, actually, I think Stevie Wonder would probably do a really good job. He probably he could would. Do what he does with music blind. Imagine what he could do with a nozzle that's inside of a house. Very true. With zero visibility anyway. The guy's probably money. So maybe I should yeah. somebody else for that. <laughs> right. 
I'm just saying. I don't know. That's fantastic. Uh, you know, I th- and, and I only I don't say that for a factory, you know, like the paper towel joint that went up here. I'm not going to say, oh, hey, right. lead off with tank water. That's dumb. And that's what people do is they, they see that comment and they just oh, take it out. They don't read the comment. It says single family dwelling, mm-hmm. man. I don't even say attached exposures. It's a single. There's no. There's a single. It's a house. It's three in the morning. You should pull up and there's fire blowing out of a one window, yeah. two windows. It doesn't matter. Nobody's meeting you out front in their robes. The Brady Bunch ain't standing out there with their fucking minivan. There's, there's nobody there. You have to assume, and that's when you just say "fuck two and two out" because right, nobody's there. That's, I suspect there's a life hazard. Absolutely, now I yep. can go in. It's an my, imminent hazard. Absolutely. So, you know, and think about that shit, and think about if it was your kid. And I think about the respirations. All right, I really what kills what hits me on this job is kids. I hate seeing kids dying in fire through no fault of their own, whether it's ignorant parents or an accident or whatever it was. Um, you know, because they didn't have whatever whatever it was. They were used to space heaters, uh, whatever the issue was next to curtains. I don't get that. But go inside and try to save them because they don't know how to hold their breath. They don't know how to hide. They don't escape. Uh, they, they hide. They don't know how to escape, find an escape route, get to a window, hold their breath. And you think, you know, 50, 60 respirations a minute, these kids are taken in. And I think every second counts, not every minute. And and I'm thank you for East Coast Fire Tactics in Florida who got my back every Good time dudes, I got man. jumped online. Good dudes. Because they understand the tank water concept, and so do a lot of others. And even, I believe, UL's catching on with some stuff now, and I'm glad they are because – and I'm glad my city does it because it works all pretty much mostly. Obviously, you can start out with tank water and still run out, but you've knocked down so much fire already yeah. that yeah. wouldn't have been knocked down if That's you right. waited for a supply. You, start. you You bought seconds. Yep. Right, and they said, what about rural areas? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I won't speak on rural areas because I don't work in rural areas. I'll assume you probably lose the whole house in every rural area fire because the response time is so long. I don't know. You know, in suburban areas, I'm kind of on the fence. I see suburban areas that have hydrants every block, every two blocks, and you have 750 to 1,000 gallons of tank water. That could put out an entire colonial or split level or a Cape Cod or whatever you have in that neighborhood. You could put the whole house out with that. And if you haven't put that fu- that house out with 750 gallons a minute, what do you think the chances are of anybody who's living in that house or you're going to save the house? Right. If you splash 750, do it splashing it the right way, like not just flowing it into the basement or wasting it. Right. You know, you, you, it's not, you're not flowing continuously. You're hit and move. You're the right stream in the right place and you're doing the job correctly. 500 gallons of water lasts you several minutes and can knock down a ton of fire. So if you haven't done and haven't, fa- have you haven't knocked the fire down completely? Or put it out. You could knock it down. Searched and found anybody. What are the chances of survival by then? All right, I'm not going to say zero, but it's pretty low. So I always see lead off tank water for, for house fires. Yeah. That's all. But I, 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 that one, and then like there was the uh, like the pistol grip stuff. Like I loved because like the photo that you had of um, <laughs> we're good. No the, worries. The, the the bodega, and you were like, hey, like. These are these are uh, these are incidents where the book will tell you to pull a two and a half inch, but like, and then you sh- you had a picture of the inside, yeah, post fire, and you're like, how are you getting a two and a half down this hall, uh, these aisles with all this merchandise stacked up? And right. it just like for me, I know I was like, holy, like, he's right, like you know, right. and it's been beating my head on this on this particular assignment, or if you show up to this, pull this two and a half, and then, you know, I just like I said, it was just uh, I just wanted to touch on that because I think everyone gets into that debate. Yeah, it's um. You know, my thing is, are you looking for the fire? Is it, is it in your face when you show? That all matters. You know, I know the size of the building matters too, but my thing is, you have a small commercial building, uh, building you're kind of familiar with those from where you work. We all know, it. we've been in 100 bodegas in my life. I know bodegas like the back of my hand. I know where the cellar doors are, most of them, where they take their stock in. Um, I know most of them have roll downs at nighttime. But 
You already know going to bodega. Your shoulders will hit the Goya on the right and the Raymond's on the left when you're trying to walk down the aisle. All right? Try dragging a fucking two and a half. Sub, there's another line. one. Sub. So you get heavy fire blowing out the roll, you know, behind the roll. That's different. You know, you got heavy fire behind the roll downs. You know, it's, shit's bad about to happen. Or you might have blown out of the show window. Like like where I work, we had a tattoo shop, heavy fire coming out of the, uh, uh, of the, of the window. Uh, just, well, that's easy. You can two and a half for that and knock that down. All right, but if it's smoke showing in a small commercial building, like I'm talking about, like I always joke around with the hair weave shop because don't don't sleep on the hair weave shop. There's a lot of BTUs in there, right? <laughs> but it's a small shop, you know. But you know, it's small. It's compartmentalized. And do you really? What's the difference between two and a half and inch and three quarter with a smooth bore? So you smooth bore guys are gonna love me for this one because you're getting you know, 180 gallons a minute, whatever, which you're 15, 16 to whatever. You know, I'm not into the whole nerdy I get it. thing. I get it. I got guys I use for that. They know who they are. So I, uh, you know, <laughs> you can knock down a lot of fire with that. And then I, I just look at it like dragging a big, heavy two and a half inch. And some guys charge. We stretch dry to the fire. It's a difference if it's showing and blowing out the window if you have to go look for it. When you have yeah. to go look for it, and I'm glad we had that fire that night because I was actually, my, it was my first night ever acting cheap. And it was an hour into that that we had that fire. And the guy that replaced me on the engine, he's a really good engine officer. Um, real good fireman. He, he's, he's very knowledgeable. He's, he's, uh, he's had a lot of jobs. He's experienced. He was on the engine that night. Cause I was kind of jealous. Cause you know, he was on the engine. I'm like, shit. Yeah. Right. But he got the fire inch and three quarters smooth bore and then came out and we were talking about it. And I'm, I'm glad you did. I was a good mood because look at that place. We went inside and that's when I grabbed the pictures. I'm going to show you just like, I'm glad because I'm doing this now, you know, with the first 18 years of my career, I never took pictures or anything. I don't even have crew shots. I had like 15 crews, but it was perfect because it shows you how difficult that would be. It would be caught up everywhere. You wouldn't even reach. We stretched dry to the fire. Um, we could charge it halfway. If you kind of know it's close, I'm all right with all that stuff. So big difference. You know, I mean, it's two, two and a half in a Home Depot at three in the morning. Yeah, you want right. to yeah, go big right. lines. But just don't try to brainwash the younger kids at every single building that is technically a commercial building has to be a two and a half. Let, teach them to think outside a little bit. You know, it might only be a small fire in that store also, you know. But that's why I'm enjoying it's a fire this, right? in a, It's a fire at McDonald's, but it's in the bathroom and it's confined. You know? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, but this is what I enjoy about this. This is real conversation. And, and too often the real conversations aren't happening or people aren't, or, or people aren't willing to share those real conversations. And what you've talked about tonight, I mean, is backed up by experience and understanding and tried and true methodology. And I think that's important because... We have to be sure that the people we're listening to and the people that are out there putting out the content, they have to have that ability to back it up. And I think that's so important. Yeah. So. I mean, I always, always try to, you know, you don't want to be short either. You don't want to pull the inch and three quarter and go, oh, shit, I should have pulled the two and a half. So, <laughs> but knowing buildings and, and, and knowing, I always say no constructions, but no models. And. I know a lot of a lot of people have a hard time with building construction. Even me, I'm not a contractor or Brannigan. I'm not into what kind of nails are in this part of the building, and they get deep into the stuff. And I'm like, look, man, if it's got red shit on it, I'm just going to put water on it, kind of guy. But when you get into building construction, I always tell people know the models. You know, if if you already know what a rancher is, you already know what it looks like. You already right. know its wood frame. You already know where the bedrooms are. You know where the kitchen is. You know where the you know what has probably a basement with Bilco doors. You know what a Cape Cod. You know where the hidden fire is. You know where the colonial is. You know the stairs are usually in the center. If you know what a split level is, we all know the split level. Half story up, half story right. Base, you know, and you could. It also tells you I could use a step ladder to do a vanity search in those also. So we, the engine company could do it if they want to because you don't you don't need a big ladder for houses. So right. just knowing the models of the houses and that extends into urban areas where knowing a model that I consider an ordinary construction bodega. But I already know the model of the bodega. Right. Tight alleys. 
Right. It's got a cellar and a trap door. You know, the, the, the cat, everybody knows, you know, where the, where the cashier is. It's got 500,000 bags of fucking Funyuns and fucking pork <laughs> rinds, black and miles. You can't even see the guy who's taking your money back there because there's so much merchandise clogged because they want you to buy shit at the last minute. So you like, you just know these layouts. Yep. So that's just my thing is know the construction, but know the models. I love you it. Know? It's good. Yeah, and event forecasting. Well, I talk about event forecasting. Yeah. It's kind of a yes. good method of training. It's kind of think of a crazy ass event with your crew that you're going to be under equipped, understaffed. Shit hits the fan. SOPs and rules go out the window. You got to handle it. Rapid rescue ties in with that. Something where there's an immediate life hazard. I hate saying life hazard. You know, motherfucker's about to die. That's what you should call it. You have to act now. And you turn around. You got a guy in overtime who's never did truck work before. And you got a driver, he's got to get involved. I don't care if he's 53 years old and he has a month left to retire. He doesn't want to put up, he's going to have to get involved now because you have no help. It's one of those where you can't wait for everybody to come like you normally can. This is one of those once every couple of year things you have. So going over event forecasting, I think is really good because we've done it before. <clears throat> and our crew has had that several months later, almost identical. What is it? So when you, uh, with the event forecasting, what does it look like for the people that are out there who are like, all right, like for, for you, like, what does that look like to you? Like if you're going to, if you were going to do an event forecasting with your crew, like just kind of, can you give me an example off the top of your head? Like some days you come in hungover, you don't feel like going out and doing it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 you know, just like rain and snow. I don't know. You want to do it like around your kitchen table kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Event forecasting to me is just like, you know, people will laugh at you. It's fucking loser doing his event forecasting. No, uh, never going to happen. It always happens to that guy, by the way. But you sit down and you think of something. I, I'll give you an example. One of the ones I did with my crew was the um, intersections are are prone to like car accidents, obviously. So any gas station at an intersection is probably where a car is going to get pushed into or veer off to avoid an accident, run into the gas pumps. Everybody thinks Hollywood's happening. There's going to be massive explosions. So you teach them about the safety features into the pumps that most of the pumps have, the shear valves and all that stuff, yeah. the shutoffs, and um, where the fuel from that shutoff to the, to the car being pumped will still be in there in the hose and through the piping. So you still have enough to start a fire. What if it's a car accident? It knocks over the pumps, car catches fire. We did an event forecasting scenario where we pull up as the single engine with just a report of a car fire at the gas station and no other information. And we pull up and a lady screaming her babies in in the car seat into the back, buckled into the back seat of the car. And now it's the the front seat and the engine's rocking, the car's going, there's gasoline, fire on the the pavement. And it's just like, what do you do? We all three have to get involved. What are we gonna use? That's where I like said a fog nozzle comes in place because somebody's gonna have to reach in how many guys have ever undone a car seat before on a baby, uh, baby seat? Maybe they don't know. You got a seatbelt cutter with you? You should have it on you because the mind triggering car fire should have told you to grab that carabiner with your hole punch on it and your seatbelt cutter. That's automatic for a car fire. Me, Boom, it goes on every time. Just like when you go on a gas call, I don't carry all that shit on me at one time. If I go on a gas call, I get my bag and I put my gas shut off on me. Right. It's, it's, it's automatic. So the other guys, one, one guy's going to have to pull a line for protection, dry chem. You know, the driver's going to have to set the line, but he's also going to have to come over and help. You know, so we got to go over there and get the baby out of the window. Oh, now it's laminated windows on it. What do we do now? Now we can't, the whole punch is useless. So we got to chop the window out, get the keys from the mother's car, try anything to open the door. We go through all this just in case. If this ever happens, we don't have to stop and go Think start from it. the beginning. You right. know? So it's already kind of in our head. And that could translate into other scenarios. You know? Because we had something similar seven months later, except it wasn't at a gas station. It was on a street. And we actually, we actually did a scenario where the rescue and ladder company was out of service. So we didn't, we couldn't use their extrication equipment because they're the only ones who had it. 
they were in another call 16 blocks away <laughs> when this happened. So it was almost identical to this scenario. And I happened to have the same crew that day. So it worked out nice, pretty good, successful outcome. Yeah. yeah. We used to cop to stabilize the car. He was our strut. We didn't have one. You know, thank God I don't have that chief because he probably would have wrote me up. But <laughs> wow, not, not having a strut. Uh, but we had, we had, see, he's a big cop, hold the car because we was on the heavy side yep. of the car, laminated windows. So striking the window was no good. Right. But from extrication training and being in junkyards a lot, and I always thank Tom Gavin from uh, uh, Paratech because we were in the junkyard one day and we were just chopping windshields, joking around with the flathead axe. Well, sure. that's what we had to do that day to get the guy out. So all those little things actually may come back years later and matter. So the event forecasting could be anything. You know, what do you do if somebody's trapped on that fourth floor window, but your ladder can't reach? What do you do? Take care of the shit at the kitchen table before you actually wind up having to do it at four in the morning. You're half out of bed and you're asleep and you go, oh, now what do I do? Wait for the ladder? No, everybody's fucking videotaping you now on cell phones. Better do something. Put that ladder on top of that fucking car in the driveway. Have the driver charge a line. Have your nozzleman go in and put most fires he can and get your ass back over there and flip the ladder on top of the car so the guy can get up to the window. Whatever you got to do. All right. I would always say if you're saving a life and you're technically breaking rules, you shouldn't get in trouble, but we've seen what happened in the last 24 hours. Talk <laughs> about timing, huh? <laughs> Holy crap. Uh, but, you know, not to get into all that stuff, but, you know, yeah. to say, uh, I think most most of the country, you know, you're talking about a little tiny little incident, uh, mm-hmm. tiny example of that. Um, so, But that's, that's know, that whole chatter around the kitchen table that we've been talking about that you kind of need to do. And that's why I defend freelancing, which I, I take a beating on freelancing, too. If you ever see my fire... Fire service, explosive ordnance, device specialist, hashtag, because I'm clearing the minefield. So everybody else could say it after me without taking the beating that I just took. So see me with black eyes. Because I support freelancing. Uh, I think they define the the word wrong. I think the fire service is defining freelancing wrong as the irresponsible guy that just smashes every window and disappears and doesn't do any whatever. I, I see the freelancer in a more positive definition as a guy who's taking initiative and getting shit done. Maybe nobody else is doing it. Maybe somebody's missing it. Maybe they're understaffed and they need this guy to do the job of three and he's doing it. And they say, well, just because he doesn't communicate it, if he doesn't communicate his actions to the, to the, uh, to the chief, he's freelancing. Well, what the fuck they do? I got a, I got a real hard time. When not everybody yeah, had got, a radio. I got a real hard yeah. time with that. I didn't have a radio when I, I first got a real come on a job. Neither did I. How do you, how do you go? Listen, even the, even the busiest cities in, in the world with a six man truck company, everybody has their own job to do. Not right, stupid. it's not right. Absolutely, I, I agree. I mean, I, I I have a hard time with that whole freelancing there's conversation. People, too. There's kids that are alive today because of freelancers. That's right. Right. So that, I don't, and I'm not. And not only that, but you can't communicate every single act exactly. and action. What are you doing? They have, to, they have no radios. Right. I never had a radio. I also had a radio. It's outrageous. See, I get off. When I was, I was first at the academy, I got assigned to a ladder truck company, and, and thank God there was a we had arsons down there. It was burning. We had a good, good amount of house fires down there where I got off the truck and I had certain things I'd have to do. I mean, my captain might go this way, I'll go this way. He, he had the radio. I didn't have a radio. I never had to get up and go, Chief, I'm putting a ladder up because I'm going to take out the second <laughs> right. floor window when they apply water. I never had to say that. you know. So, But that's just this new incident command, accountability, liability, and a whole bunch of other bullshit that this is coming in and is ruining the fire service. And a portion of the fire service is ruining it. So, And you're starting to see it now. You know, and you know, like I said, I'm, it depends what department. Every some departments are great, and other departments they they cave to it. So it just depends, you know. Yeah. And you can't blame the guys, the grunts I call them, which is the urban army. The, the grunts are the guys like you know, all of us. We're just we're just out there doing our job, and we can't help all that other shit that that falls on the upper levels, you know. So you brought it up. Let's talk about a hashtag yeah. urban army, right? 
Yeah, yeah. The Urban Army is just a kind of like a, I, I started out as, as a joke, you know, like the Urban Army has had all these people that followed you, you know, and people that kind of agree with your content. Sure. You know? Not that I'm not going to dislike someone just because they don't agree with my content, but I had a lot of people that I get a lot of private messages and maybe they just don't want to say things because they're worried about their department or offending maybe some other people who disagree with them on certain tactics, but they just please keep doing what you're doing. And they send me pictures of their fogs and their pistols and they're, Absolutely. they're working in cities that have five fires a day. I mean, right. so these, these guys, you know, and I just thought of the word, these, these are my, like, like my army right here. You know, these guys are cool. I love you know, that. These are the guys that keep coming to our, to our shows. You know, I call them shows, presentation. I don't hate saying teacher, instructor. I'm like a speaker. Guys come out and we talk shit. I don't try to tell people how to fight fires. It's just that, you know, I kind of give them advice based on my experience. I try to find things that aren't in the books. Maybe they haven't learned yet. You got fire one, you got fire two. That's great. I don't knock fire one and fire two. I just think they need more. Yep. And uh, like they say, he came up, uh, Mike from Top Floor Tactics with uh, the Fire Academy to Fire Floor. Great title. I have fire three. So we, we, we our minds are similar on where we're going with this, but we're doing different things. It's great. I, I don't know. I didn't know if there was a fire three in the country. I had to check first, you know. <laughs> yeah. so did not have to call it fire four, but like, you know, welcome yeah. to the real world. Now, this is how we do this for this, and this is how we did it. And you didn't learn this in the academy. You can't teach everybody in, tw in 12 months everything about this job. It's impossible. So I just try to help maybe the younger guys that are coming out or new company officers maybe haven't had a lot of experience. They got promoted. They're, you know, so they can handle Murphy's Law when it shows up on the first two calls they get. Maybe yeah. they won't be so lucky to get mattress fires and car fires their first two or three times. You know, so that's where that concept came from. And the urban army is just a, like uh, Mike said, it's a movement. I love movement it. Of people that follow urban firemen and it's suburban and rural firemen that could use the stuff that we use in the urban environment sure. and they can use it there as long as they're allowed to. Sometimes they might not be allowed yeah. to. I think um, I think what you hit on, too, is the fact that people have to revert to DMing um, to talk to you to say, hey, keep it up because we enjoy what you do, but we can't take that stance or uh, we're not allowed to or I'm, I'm afraid to because of what you said before, right? You say something on social media, you shouldn't be held liable, right? Like no. all those types of things, right? So there's social media policies. I, yeah, right. Which scares Absolutely. Them also. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think that's... I think that's such a downside of all of this and the fire service. The fire service is intimidated and afraid by what they yep. don't know. And social media could be so, so good. And I think pages like yourself and, and Mickey with Top Floor and a bunch <clears throat> of the other guys, right? I think all those quality content pages bring so much more to the game than we've ever had before. And, and the policies, the, the social media policies, yeah. I read a lot of them online. Everybody violates them every single time of they just they log do. in. Of course, so yeah. it allows for selective enforcement and picking on certain guys. Right. And I, I don't like that. I just think it's a bad thing with that that whole thing. We could learn so much from it if we use it properly. But you know, some guys they they can't really say even with the department they represent. They're not allowed to post pictures. We do that every and, time we have guests in and here it tonight. Sucks because are we allowed yeah. to talk about it? Are we not allowed yeah. to talk about it? Are you it comfortable sucks. or are you not comfortable? And we have powerful people in the fire service that could be almost lobbyists for freedom of speech, and they actually right. cave. I see articles. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't do on social media. No, fuck that. Go out and defend the guys. Yeah. Don't write about what they shouldn't do. We can't do anything. Right. Right. I mean, if I just log on, if I just check in at Engine 7 at 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm technically violating the social media policy. We've got right. guys who do it. You shouldn't bust their balls. They're checking in. They're into the job. They want to yeah, let everybody know, hey, I'm working proud. today, and I want to fucking go yeah. to a fire. By the way, I don't want to work with anybody that doesn't want to go to a fire, by the way. That's another thing. You got a guy that doesn't want to get fired, get rid of him. Get rid of him. Because that motherfucker ain't thinking about him. He, I don't want to fire. I'm like, you're, like, you're new. You should want to fire every tour. <laughs> don't mean you have to want to watch people's shit get ruined. But if it's going to happen, you want to be the one that's working that day. That's the way I look at it. Nobody likes to see I, I, 
people lose their shit. Don't I, could, I couldn't agree with you more. But, I mean, that's how you stay sharp, man. That's what we signed. That's what we wanted this job right. for. We want to go to fires, man. You know? I don't understand. I'm a volunteer, right? I'm the volunteer fireman. 24 years in the volunteer fire. I didn't fire say house, EMS right? calls. I didn't and, say ambulance calls. And the thing is, is like, I have new guys that miss fires, and then we're back in the firehouse the next day. And I'm like, where the hell were you last night? He's like, oh, I wasn't feeling well. I, I turned off my page, or I, I wasn't listening, or I didn't. I, I I didn't feel well, so I didn't come out. I like I don't I don't even know how to answer. I don't even know how to reply to that. I mean, it blows my mind because we don't always get to perform like we want to perform. I mean, we don't always get the opportunities. Yeah. We so don't always get the there, game. Man, it's fucking game time, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's game. Time. How do you how yeah. do you say no? To I look that? at it this way, like you know, I I can understand why. I, I like I said, I, I I side with the fact that we don't we don't want to see people lose their shit. Of course I, not. We definitely don't want to see people get hurt. Or of course not. Right. See, that's you can't. And this is where people make arguments and based on emotion uh, instead of logic. Like I'm talking about, if it does happen, and it happens to be in the city that day, I'm hoping I'm working at the closest engine company. It also, me personally, I, I would like to give that person the best chance, whoever is that's in right. that house, because I'm I'm ready for it, man. You know. And I'd rather have someone who's ready for it than someone who's not. That's a great and point. I just look that at is like, that is a fantastic just look point. Like, I don't know. You know, I mean, depends. Some departments, man, the guys are sharp. Everybody's right. ready for it. So, yep. and then some places, the guys don't want fires. Right. And that, that's well, where you, you talk fires, about the good here? fire. The good fire is that we want to go to work. Yeah. But we don't really want that fire, but you want to be able to do the best job that you can when you're going to one. I think yeah, and you like, got to stay sharp with that. Know, and the way I, you stay sharp is by I when you have. Fires, you I want to go to fires. My, my yeah, first yeah. captain, like, you know, he, he said, he's like, you didn't start it. At least I hope not. Then we're going to have a lot of problems, kid. <laughs> and I was like, all right. But he's like, you know, you didn't, you didn't start the fire. So like, let's, let's go have a good time and, and, and be good at what we do. And yeah, I just I even like car fires. I mean, I like car fires, especially nowadays. You know, the old car fires were, you know, there was a metal can with velour seats burning in the Anytime uh, you get the stretch of line, car. I mean, you're, you're doing what you want to do. Yeah. I mean, that's just, there, there's no argument to that. There's no argument to that. But that's what sucks about being officers. You don't get the line anymore, and sometimes you just want to, like, yank it from the person. Yeah. You know, but you can't. <laughs> do you, yeah. you run a four-man engine? Three. Three-man. Yeah. It's been four. It's been three. Back to four. Now it's been three for a while. So, I mean, you're still... I'm all right with it. You're still uh, heavily involved, though. I mean, um, you're you're right there. I mean, you're yeah. not going to... That guy's not stretching alone, no? Honestly, this is going to, like, piss people off, but I don't really give a shit. <laughs> I like a three-man engine. The less, the better for me. I don't need 50 people showing up for house fire, to be honest with you. I'm fine working with three or four or five, whatever. Just I'm greedy. I just give you more shit to do. That's just the way I look at it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to complain about it. Well, I like Yes, whole... it's nice to have a whole bunch of people on scene. They're all doing stuff. But, you know, with these understaffed departments... I got it. You want more, but in the meantime, let's talk about how we can do. You only need six people to put out a house fire, really. I mean, to get it knocked down. If everybody's if everybody's on point, if you if you focus more on that instead of all these mandatory, mandated bullshit that everybody has to come and it, it turns people off. The volunteers they're, they're down with people wanting to join, so you're showing up with less people, less trained people, less experience. This guy's not interior yet because he has 863 more hours of bullshit ICS he has to go through to get a certificate. I mean, all that stuff is just killing it. So you have to have Six sharp guys on scene. You should be able to handle a house fire with an uh, engine, two engines, and a ladder. But, you know, that's in a perfect world, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, me, I'm fine with it. I mean, I don't care if you give me a two-man engine. I'm still going to do my job. So, of course. You know? I liked your aspect, like your your perspective on having, like, the pick-headed axe and as, as, like, your tool of choice and then having video to, like, kind of back it up. And it kind of went to that whole versatility and, like, loving that three-man engine. Like, you were like, mm -hmm. yeah, here's a door. 
I'm taking it. I don't have a Halligan bar, but look at, oh my God, the door came open. And I was like, yeah, I imagine that's common in a lot of places. If the first two engine shows up, you really, your, your ladder might be four or five minutes away. I'm sure that the nozzle and the engine officer is going to have to, Hey, we got to force this door. We of can't course. really wait. Of course. But if they're right behind you, that's great. You pass it off to them. That's their job. Yeah. They'll do it. So every, every department is different. And that's why I look at the pick head only being on a single engine as a, as an officer. It's a one-man job because always the Lozelman should be capable most of the time. Unless he has a real difficult stretch, I'll probably leave it in the cab or I'll just take it with me and leave it on the porch or whatever because we got to go maybe a couple hundred feet. It's going to be a difficult multifamily stretch. I'll help him out. i got to help him out. But if it's an easy one, put it on your shoulder, stand by, and I use the pick head. And residential doors are pretty easy. Yeah. Um, I don't do the integrity of the door bullshit. All right? I got it. It's nice to do it. I don't have time for integrity to the door. I, I use it as a fucking battering ram, and it takes me between two and ten shots, and I get 90% of them. If I don't, I look like an idiot, and I, you'll hear me call for the Halligan. <laughs> yeah, the jam's fucked up. The frame's bent That's in. It's, there's no integrity to the door. I just need the door open so I can go in. I'm not worried about a flow path blowing up on me. I just want to get into the fire and put it out. So that's just me personally. You know, like I just use it as a battering ram. Uh, once in a while, I could take a risk, and I could take the Halligan and try the one-man Halligan, but I always just found from years of experimenting, I'm a big experimenter, I'll grab tools that are never used on a truck, and I'll see if I could remove something with them, especially a commercial building when it's an outside job. It's a perfect time to experiment. Uh, you know, I want to find uh, – that's how you learn is experimenting, trying out different tools. I've tried the flathead. I brought the Halligan with me. It's just the pickhead seemed better, and it's really great for a lot of things, including – when I'm done with the engine, putting the fire out, I don't come out and rehab. I like to go back to work. So I want to go open up in the attics um, and go, say you're looking for fire behind knee walls, that pickhead act's great for that. Yeah, You could use that in an attic pretty much everywhere. Mm -hmm. I just like using it for window, for you know, around the windows to trim the sashes, have a bash, everything with it. It's a good escape tool. You could pry, pull, puncture. You could do so much shit with that thing. You could even take board ups off with that thing. So people just learn how to use it right. And it depends where you work. I have a lot of board ups. So I look at the board up. I size up the board up. I go, oh, it's one of them piece of shit ones. That's easy. Just slide the blade behind it and pop it off. Pop it off. Or, oh, fuck, it's a HUD. Probably going to need a saw. But in the meantime, I'm going to try to pull the two by four bracing off because it's rotted and old. And I use my pickhead axe for that. If I can't do it, I don't give a shit. I'm an engine guy. I'm a I'm, I'm fire attack. I don't have a ladder. So they'll be here in a couple minutes. And then they can do it if I can't do it. So. No, that's a good point. Absolutely. I don't take, you know, they look too deep into the stuff, yeah. you know? I, I, but that's what I like about it, right? Common sense approach is often being overlooked these days. Yeah. I don't care I, if I look like... I look like an idiot all the time. I was looking at, uh, me looking too, at, uh, Me too. a YouTube idiot. It'll give me more hits. <laughs> 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 look at that idiot. He up there trying to cut a hole. It took him like 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, I didn't do roof construction too well. So let's talk about... Let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about the, the, the pistol grip. Let's talk about the smooth bore versus fog nozzle. Let's talk about... I mentioned it before. Accountability. Right? I mean, your quote was, I'd rather criticize the guy behind the nozzle and not the nozzle itself. I think we get too caught up on the practicality and not the application or the, or the application and not the practicality, I should say. Right? Yeah. We need a good nozzle man. I don't care what nozzle he's using. We need a good nozzle man and we need to train him and we need to hold them accountable. Right? <clears throat> you mind talking about that for a little bit? Because I, think, I know how passionate you are about that um, and so on. And I just think you make some good points. Well, I mean, I, I, I've always, when I first got online, I've seen a lot of the criticism on the fog. Maybe everybody makes fun of the fog nozzles. I laugh at some of the shit. I ain't going to lie. But <laughs> of course. at the same time, like, hey, we've used the fog nozzles for house fires for years. I'm talking two, three rooms in a hallway lighting off, and we put it out with a fog nozzle every time. We've never, I've never seen a NIOSH report saying that the fog nozzle was to blame for this guy's death or losing the building. I never had a problem with it in my life. I mean, I've worked at some busy engine companies. I've had a lot of fucking nozzle time. never had an issue with it. 
fuck, I'll bring one to the basement. I'll bring one to the basement as a second line, especially a seller, to hydraulically vent the seller because it works. So take that one. Because 98% of the time, I don't need a second line in the basement. My first one's flown just fine. And I want a smooth bore for the first line. I agree. So it depends whether you call it the second line or the backup line. That's where you can get in trouble with your language because interpretation. Yep. Uh, uh, but, you know, always, even if I have the first and second line as my shoe, give me a hydro, the hydraulic ventilation because I only have one cellar window. I can't see shit. I think I knocked most of the fire down, but I'm not sure. 30 seconds later, that room is clear. And now I can see where the hidden fire is. Yep. I can see that fucking mattress in a renovated cellar that's still smoldering that I didn't see five minutes earlier because I couldn't clear that room. Right. Um, so th that that's where I just kind of joke around. I like to push buttons a little bit, but... Um, the thing with the fog nozzle is, you know, if you don't want to use it, don't use it. Um, I, there's times that I'll, I'll call for a smooth bore if I see heavy fire. If I have a feeling I need a smooth bore, I need a smooth bore. Just pick your, you know, pick your weapon, man. You know, if I have a good nozzle, man, I don't care what he grabs most of the time. You know, he's usually going to put the fire out. So uh, I think well, they can make too much of it. I know you can get more GPM, and and this is not for high rises. Obviously, high rises. I'm a big smooth bore. You better have a smooth bore up there sure. because you know what shits in that riser. It's going to get clogged. And you'll have to think about how many stories high you're up, the, 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 the friction loss and all that. I'm all bored for that. And I'm glad this was shit you not. In, in the 90s, we had an inch and a half single jacket hose with a fog nozzle on our high-rise pack, right? <laughs> <laughs> 16th and 19th floor, <laughs> fucking well-involved apartments as yeah. a nozzle. And I was so lucky to be shipped out to the engine that day. Um, no issues with an inch and a half single jacket hose, 16th and 19th, two different fires with a fog nozzle. Now, I got lucky. <laughs> You know, I know I got lucky. Now we're, we went to a little bit bigger of a hose. We use smooth bores now. Right. And you should. So I'm not saying for that, but I'm saying for vapor suppression. Teach the young guys, don't 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 cut off the handle and laugh at it and like but, make fun. It's a piece of shit. Take them off the truck. You might need that one day. You might never use it 80%, 90% of the time. But teach the new guy when you might need to use that and pull it out. It's probably a better one. It's probably a better weapon for this particular incident. That's why I defend it. I don't defend it to tell you to use it in every fire. Exactly. Right? I'm just defending it to let guys know when to use it. Um, but we, we now have those breakaway nozzles instead of the course. automatic nozzles. So you can make that choice yeah. on the fly and take it and put it in your pocket. And then you yeah. have really both. And the great thing about that is in the old days, you had to change the pump operator had to control everything. And everything's changing because yeah. they went from this to that. Shut it down. Now. Change. Right. Now. It doesn't change. And I'm okay with that in high-rises, too. And that's good because for high-rises, and we do have the breakaway in our high-rise pack because yeah. you can extend that line in case you need another section. Right. And mm -hmm. then if you want to have me back to do a whole hour on the floor, the fire floor, <laughs> that'll be another one. I'll set a lot of fires. <laughs> um, but it, you could extend the line. And we have it now. I'm so glad we have them on our bumper line because that's what we use for car fires. Yeah. So now you have the magnesium issue with almost every car fire nowadays. So it's great. Still like using a fog for a fire. Shut the line down. Leave, leave the magnesium alone. Don't even touch the shit. Once you see a flare-up, leave it alone. It's always in the driver's area, console area. Let it go. Put out the rest of the car. Shut down. Let it shit burn. Unscrew your fog nozzle. Now you have a smooth board, technically, right? So dump your dry chem in there. I mean, we've done the job with a dry chem. Other times, uh, I was king of Prussia fireman on Pennsylvania also. Right. We, we were on Pennsylvania Turnpike. We dumped a Class D, 750 gallons of water in a Jeep Cherokee, a dry chem, and the fucking shit just boiled. Still it didn't wet, do yeah. shit. We had to right. call another engine. You know, embarrassing. You don't ever want to have to call another engine for a car <laughs> fire. You don't ever want to have to secure a water supply to hydrant. It's like a badge of honor not to do that shit. Right. So I always tell my nozzle, don't fucking waste our water. <laughs> this bitch better go out. So let the magnesium burn, put out the rest of the car, and then let it sit. Speedy dry. Dry chem, whatever you got in your truck, and then bum rush the shit with the rest of the tank water and hope it goes out before the record gets there. <laughs> 
You know, it's you know it's a pride thing. I mean, I'm not worried about the car. The car is still it, off, I get so, it. You know, and don't let the running fuel fire come back and destroy your fire trucks. So make sure if you can't do perfect place, you can't yeah, do perfect place your truck in. Yeah, it's spot. tight in urban cities with truck alley up. dwellings and things like that. You can't really get the perfect placement. But I always tell the pump operator, be proactive, be ready for that shit, man. You better fucking dike something real quick. Fucking leave the line on the truck. Just take it out of pump and reverse. Mm-hmm. We'll just drag the line with you. Just get out of the way of that shit, you know? Yeah. So don't ruin the truck. That's a, that'd be a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Unless it's a reserve. It's like... <laughs> so what do you have? You got, coming up, you got a bunch more uh, Firefighter Walks Into a Bar series, right? So you got a couple more coming up. I know you have one coming up next week. Yeah, it's uh, going to be the first two firemen walk into a first bar. First two firemen. I could do three. I could do five. So this is you hopefully a whole series. Yeah, yeah no, it's that's... a whole series. And that's how <clears throat> I planned it from the beginning. But real quick, I just got to go back to the pistol. Do it. Real quick. Just with the pistol grip. Just keep in mind, if you don't, and I thank all these guys from Philly and Baltimore, they always message me all the time because they know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't pushed from the fire truck, from the apparatus to a fucking attic living space, in some fucked up shitty house with tons of furniture. You got to go through doors, plastic bags, shit all over the floor. You got to move mattresses. Not to mention, if you're one of them guys like me who search off the line, that pistol grip is money. Yeah. Money. You need that because you're going to need a free hand. You're always going to need your free hand. To, you're going to be searching. You're going to be opening doors. I will search on the way. If it's an attic fire, why can't I just go clear the second floor? It takes a minute. Um I want to know which way the door opens. Check which way if it's coming towards me. If it's going away from me. Oh, here's a desk. I got. How about pulling your... a desk on the fucking landing? People put landing desks on. They got to move the shit. How about just pulling yourself through the room with all the junk and shit? Right, one hand pulling, the other one grabbing. I mean, yeah, it's... and and if you're on a ladder, like I can use the pistol grip as a ladder. We stick our head out the second floor window. We take the pistol grip in one hand and we start hitting the cornice underneath. Yeah. that's what we yeah. do, right? You know, when you got your boner hose and you're dangling the shit out there on YouTube in, in, in the parking lot, that's cool. It is a really nice fucking stream. I'll give them that. It's but it's just not practical yeah. in some of these houses we have to deal with. So you could still have that nice, uh, you know, holding just the hose and not having even to use the pistol grip. But I don't work where I have all just nice long hallways and open houses. I have really tight bends, corner 180s everywhere, banisters and landings. And then you go up the attic stairs, which is the L-shape. Your shoulders are hitting both walls, scraping the whole way up. You that, and you have to knock out all the spindles because you you have to do that. That is automatic every single time I go yeah. to the second floor. It's they're they're gone. That's why I carry a tool also because sometimes I could just punch them. I could punch them right out on my hand. Yeah. They're pieces of shit most of them. And you get that out of the way, you need the free hand. And we've one-handed fires while we we're doing this shit. You know, we rested it on a fence the other night and just let it flow into the back of the house. We put the pistol grip on a fence, and I posted a video of a YouTuber, a guy at the Winnebago. Remember, he got the hood open with the fucking pistol grip. I'm like, now how could you argue this shit, right? So I'm just like, and I don't knock the other shit. So this is where guys get it wrong. I'm not knocking your stuff, man. I'm just defending what's being criticized, and I'm just making an argument for the fog, making an argument for the pistol grip. Just maybe you can see both sides of it. Don't teach them it's a joke. Teach them when it can be beneficial to them. Teach them the pros and the cons. I That's love all. that. Just like you do with tip sizes. Yep. Oh, the 7-8 sucks. We'll use the 15 and 16. I ain't got no problem with that. I'll still defend the 7 ace if you want me to. Sure. I could probably find something. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. No, but Brian, that's a, that's a great point, brother. That's a really yeah. good point. And so, yeah, this, I hope this bar in the becomes a series. I still do, like, seminars and conferences and classrooms during the day. I still uh, enjoy doing that. If people want to... They want to hear what I have to say. I'm fine. If they don't, then I could just go back and spend more time with my kids. Not a big deal. There's not a lot of money in this business. <laughs> but uh, but uh, listen, man, as, as somebody that's uh, sat through one of your uh, your uh, conversations at the bar, 
and having you here tonight and just our conversing back and forth a few times, man. I mean, I, you bring tremendous value to the fire service and I, I think your message is loud and clear and that's what I like about it. Um, there's no sugarcoating. It's straight in your face. It's truly what we expect out of the firehouse and what we want from each other. And I think there's not enough of it. So I commend you on that. And I thank you for being here tonight and spreading the good word, man. We've been going for quite a while and okay, uh, it's awesome. Yeah, uh, I'm sure we can go for hours, yeah. but yeah. it was fantastic having you here yeah. tonight. We're going to, we're going to do some other stuff. Yeah. Um, but where can, um, where can our followers find you, your content? Where, where are you? Instagram, Facebook? What do you, what uh, do you urban have? Urban fire training on Instagram. Urban fire. Facebook's becoming like MySpace. I'm telling you, man. I'm I'm just getting to the point with but it. But Facebook bought Instagram, which sucks because now it's like you don't have that argument anymore. So. <laughs> but you know, and you hit on something great before, man. You were like, I don't know if the people on Instagram are just smarter, but you know, I. It's less fight, fighting on there. There's, there's less politics. There's no hand jobs. Less like yeah. less hand jobs, yeah. I should yeah. say. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm just go to Instagram, Urban Fire Training. I also own UrbanFireTraining.com. It's so hard to keep up with dating the website. I got it. And the Instagram. And the thing, it's just like you're on the phone all day, and then that's when my wife gets really pissed at me. So um, just go to the website. Got all my contact information. Well, my man, keep up the content because yeah. what you're putting out is good oh, and people are getting value that. out of that. And right. uh, I thank you for being here, man. Appreciate yeah, it. No, we're going to have you back great. again. Yeah, and uh, we're going to do thank some you. other content with you in just a few minutes. But uh, right. everybody, thanks for checking us out tonight for Rob and Tucker and Captain Brian Butler. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy your evening.